0: This is the Life School Podcast, episode number 192. And today, we're talking with author and sought after consultant Will Mancini about the church's functional Great Commission and why intentional disciple making equals real church growth. Welcome to the Life School podcast, where each week you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. This is the stuff that your parents, teachers, and pastors forgot to tell you. I'm Heath Hollinsby here with your host, Caesar Kalinowski.
1: Heath, it is a good day to be here. I have to say, though, I'm still feeling the pangs of overdoing it. <laughs> Thanksgiving gotcha, <you>, huh? <laughs> well, it always does. As as we talked about previously, for us um in the friends giving episode you yeah. know um team k is uh big on the meals and big on the thanks and friends giving but it's also big on the polish food
0: oh nice yeah so
1: mm. yep so too much of that that always blows me out right away we have these ginormous plates anyway everybody knows about that so are you guys the uh are you guys the black friday like eat early so we can go out shopping never not once yeah, us neither probably never is going to happen no to me that is the height of insanity (laughs) like hey you just had a really good time so let's go out in the garage get some like ball peen hammers and just hit each other with them yeah (laughs) like why i you know everybody does it just everybody likes to do that and then afterwards we'll get a television cheap but i (laughs) already have a television yeah i know But this one's like a little bit bigger (laughs) (laughs) not necessary that's okay yeah
0: no we haven't done the same i haven't done it in years one year we did
1: like a midnight thing where there's a digital camera and i was like
0: well let's grab that but I it's not worth it, it.
1: But I think some people have made it a tradition. Oh, yeah. So I don't like know at least not
0: in the freezing cold.
1: And if, at least running. if you're going to do it, take a friend. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, Heath, uh, we have a pretty awesome guest on the show today. Will Mancini is a bit of a rock star, and yep. he's a friend of mine who blends some pretty cool life experiences leading up to his pastoral and consulting work. That's what he does these days. Sure. Um, he worked in engineering, so kind of a detail guy, communications as an ad agency exec, and he pastored for years before he started a leading uh, an organization called Exano. And Oxano helps local churches articulate Like their own unique disciple making mission and model. So, not like a one size fits all, but they're all, Oxano's all about disciple making. And uh, we'll talk with them a little about all that in Oxano and all that, but uh, let's get started. Yeah, Will, it's so good to have you on the show, man.
2: Hey, it's great to be with you guys.
1: It's been way too long since we've gotten together. And I just like to just chat and catch up on life and your kids for the next 30 minutes. But (laughs) we have a show to get to. Yeah, I don't know if the. If the life school folks would all be like, "Hey, great! You guys catch. Should, can we see your vacation photos too?" Will <laughs>
2: exactly. Well, hey, at least at least you got to know. You know, I've got I've got grown kids, and I just put you know a baby. Back in back in the game here, we I laid an egg in an empty nest. So we'll we'll just summarize <laughs> it that I've got a, uh, that's a good one. Was nineteen. Now I have a nineteen month old. So wow. man, uh, that's a little that's insane. Another, that's another session. That's right? like an oopsie.
1: That's an oops.
0: Yeah,
2: another oopsie uh, uh,
1: teaching. Yeah. <laughs> how, how do you guys know each other? Where do you guys go back to? Oh, uh, I think we met through Dave Rhodes, huh? Yeah,
2: yeah, Dave. Yep, yeah, Dave Rhodes. Maybe.
1: I mean, I've obviously known of Google Will that, from yeah. afar and his magnificence and wisdom, <laughs> but, but yeah, it was one of those, Will. I remember first time we talked, I was like, Will, you're one of these guys who I know everybody, we know everybody the same, and you and I have never talked, and so huh. finally we found someone to broker that.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, for those who don't know, Will is like a content producer, I mean, there's so much good information. We could have taken this podcast 50 billion different ways, but as Caesar and I were trying to figure out where we wanted to go with this, you'd actually gotten a, a blog post from him and said... Man, this is something that we need to really yeah, because
1: yeah, we're you know obviously we focus a lot on life school about uh, real life and the gospel touching all of life and making disciples in everyday life and what is the church's real mission? So when I get this post from you, Will, and it's about real church growth, I'm like, yes, I'm opening and I'm reading and I'm all about it. And in there, um, right off the get go, you start talking about the the functional like quote unquote great commission of churches in North America and uh man that really grabbed me right away like why don't you explain what you think the functional great commission is and and maybe why it's not serving the church very well these days
2: you know being in the space in this clarity space and you know it's, you got to kind of even start by defining what do you what do you mean by clarity and so by articulating a functional great commission what we're saying is you know it's easy to head nod to biblical language or these ideas that get talked about in evangelicalism where there's, there's a, there's an illusion of fluency, you know, you just, you, 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 you can talk about it, but it, does that really mean you're doing it? And yeah. I would say that it's pretty straightforward. If you were to you know, just visit churches, listen to church conversation, church team meetings after church team meetings, you could I think make a pretty compelling case that the functional great commission that is what is actually operating in our minds and hearts each week, you know, week in, week out, this is an idea something like this, you know, go into all the world and make worship attenders, baptizing them in the name of small groups and teaching them to volunteer a few times a month. Ouch. You know, it's, it sounds... Come on, what's wrong funny, with that? But what's, I think nothing Jesus wrong with that. <laughs> died for something much bigger than that and want something oh, for all of us much bigger than that, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned in there that yeah, you say you say that for all kinds of reasons. The words "church" and "growth" have become embarrassing when put side by side, right? Because because of the church growth movement has departed from our lips. It doesn't mean that it's actually impacting our hearts. Why don't you dive into that a little bit of, about what you're getting at when you mention yeah. that? Well, it,
2: it's um, in in 2007. I worked on this this book entitled "Church Unique," and I was looking at just how you know, how we're using our words in the church. And it's interesting how if you were to look at church growth, I mean, it was you know, if you were producing a book or creating content, or if you knew anything about, you know, church of, you know, effectiveness, health growth, whatever, you just, you talked about it as church growth through the seventies, through the eighties, we could call it the popular church growth movement in all the disciplines from management to marketing, you know, what have you, you know, we just, we, they were all operating under the banner of church growth. It's not until the nineties, that we literally see this pendulum swing and we're almost completely apologetic from a church leadership perspective of using those two words together so this is a pretty you know old idea that in the 90s so even on the cover you know rick warren's you know purpose-driven church he makes a comment about church health not church growth and you know you i i call it the parenthesis of effectiveness because we were we didn't know what to say so we started just using effective 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 it was kind of the the, the thing we went to. So, you know, Andy Stanley's writing books about effectiveness, you know, and I I literally list, there's, you know, there's, you could list 20, 30 church leadership, very popular books that all use the word effectiveness in it in the nineties. So we didn't know what Hmm. to do, but we weren't, you know, talking about growth. And then we've had, you know, now at least 15 years, not 20 years of this missional reorientation. And so, you know, we may or may not have been talking about growth. So it's, it's almost like You know, I want to kind of talk about real church growth. Let's get back to growth, but in the most authentic, biblical, real kind of way. But we've just not been saying church growth for a long time because many remember the negative, you know, impact of the, quote, church growth movement.
1: And it's interesting because it's, you know— it's still very defended church growth and, you know, the seeker movement and all that. And for those of us that have been old enough to live kind of through when it started and like wherever, you know, people want to gauge where it's at today, you know, by all, by all measurements, it's, you know, we went from America, you know, and I know we have listeners from all over the world, but you know, in North America here, we went from when, when this thing started and the church movement started, we were maybe at 70, 75, 80% of, of the country would identify as Christian and it's a pretty high percentage had some affiliation with a church or, you know, faith community and all that. And now we're down in the thirties, probably best guess. I'm like, how, how was that growth? You know? And yet it's so sort of still being defended. And right, that's, right. that's surprising to me. And I was just wondering, like, were we ever measuring the right things? Cause mm-hmm. if the needle's going down and not up and we're stoked about it, like, wait a minute, what, what was it we were measuring?
2: one distinction I like to make is if you look at the creation story of the ideas, you know, Donald McGavern, he, I mean, he was just a great thinker, great researcher. And, you know, here he is studying the impact of the gospel, you know, overseas. He he was in India, some places, and all he was really doing is saying, why, you know, originally, this is like, you know, way back before the popularization of it in America, but he was originally just saying, why does the gospel flow differently in some places than others? I mean, what are some of the, you know the the secrets behind the you know why why contextualization works the way it does and what are the principles and practices in there. So I think it's important to recognize that the creation story had a great guy trying to solve some great problems. It got very Americanized and popularized, and I would say that actually uh, within that whole thing, there's really only one real enemy that I think it's helpful to name, and I just call it church growth idolatry. I mean, I think the problem of the church growth movement is not. The, the, the content, you know, or assumptions, because if you go back and look at the assumptions they were dealing with, I mean, they were just wrestling th- through some good challenges back then. I think the real problem, I know the yeah. problem in my heart as a pastor is the sense of, um, my, you know, I'm not really okay with myself if there's not numerical growth, you know, next year, you know, year over year at this thing I'm leading. So I think what happens is, again, it goes back to that functional mission statement. I just, you know, do I have more people in worship next month? And if not, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to struggle with my identity, which is obviously, you know, unhealthy kinds of stuff that, you know, many of us have to deal with. Again, I know I have, you know, in, in many different seasons of my life with how I define success and, and how I, you know, whether I'm getting my identity in Christ and some, some other uh, basic and healthy ways. But any, anyhow, that's just, I, I just, I feel like it's helpful to say, hey, some of the key thinking behind church movement was actually just very solid and helpful at the time. But our church growth idolatry kind of gets, guys. What 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 bites us here down the road?
1: Well, and that's the yeah. We talk about the thing behind the thing a lot on the show, and it's clearly the the thing behind the thing started to shift. And I know, I, you know, I know from years of working at big churches, it's like uh, yeah, that's that's where it starts to get every meeting. Every budget meeting, every planning meeting, every everything you're planning out like the next event, and and it's all about the numbers. And then yeah. we, clearly, our our human hearts we go to like, and I feel more approved, valuable, and loved when those numbers are up yeah. versus down. And yeah. So, what do you think is better sense of what what would be some good measurements? You know, we we talk about unfortunately the church through the growth sort of church growth movement measured the three b's we talk about budgets butts and seats and buildings you know size probably butts and seats first and you've given uh you've given different sets of measurements coming from the people side which really blew me away place personality program and people like friendships and community and all that Uh, what do you think though really like I, i i'm big on like if you if you want to keep building the same thing, measure the same ways. If you want something new, let's start to follow and quantify and measure different things. What do you think some of the things we should be paying attention, keep our eye on the ball right now as the church capital C? Yeah,
2: well, the it's hard for me to answer that without going back to really what what my primary role over the last seventeen years has been, you know, working as a you know coach, consultant, facilitator with local church teams, and so when I think about taking the mission. Uh, you know, the, the the real mission, the church, Jesus gave the church seriously, you know, we, we build this little tool called a vision frame. And so we, we come in and help churches really understand their, their strengths. We have a tool called the kingdom concept where you go in and just re, you really name what can your church do better than 10,000 other churches. And we get through that. We, we begin to think uh, about, uh, you know, what is a compelling and contextual articulation of, of the mission of the church look like for, for you guys, again, speaking of a particular church leadership team, and then we'll walk through this vision frame where we frame up, well, you know, why why do we do what we do? How do we do what we do? When are we successful at what we do? And what's blown me away, you think it would be kind of, you know, obvious. Uh, most churches don't actually have a basic definition of a disciple that they share as a leadership community. And then from which they, Design ministry environments and do do their their day to day work in the church. So it's tricky to kind of understand why. I mean, it you know most pastors could give a good, quick definition of what does it mean to follow Christ. And certainly, every, almost every pastor I've met's a visionary. I mean, they're they're in this game, you know, they're sacrificing and you know loving on people and in the messy work of ministry because they're called and passionate about it. So it's like, well, how do you explain this and Probably the easiest way would be to say, you know, you you are a visionary, but you need more than a general sense of what you're about. If you're going to maximize what God's called you to do, if you're going to get even close to being effective with, you know, your, your special assignment on earth. And so I, I would just go back and start with those teams and say, you know, to answer your question, first and foremost is usually there's no shared vocabulary or codified definition of, Hey, what is it actually that we're trying to do? And and I would take a team through that process first, and then and then we can actually talk about how how uh, y- you know you would measure that. And just to quickly illustrate that, I mean, for years um, at, at at the church that I came to be part of in Houston, uh, again from which I launched my my consulting ministry, we had a basic seven point definition of of uh, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus in our context, and. You know one of those for us was being people who go you know to letters g o and, and and you and you articulate t- so that was codified in our community but then we would measure it we've measured over the years with a with a little thing we just call your top five you know who are the who are the top five people uh, who are far from God that you pray for on a regular basis and you, hmm. you know the power of having a community that has a constant thing that we can talk about testify to, model together, practice, evaluate, see accountability in just a normal, natural, positive way. And over the years, you know, you, you grow a group of people who are all praying for five people. It's not rocket science. It's just simple clarity. But how many times would you go to church and just hear, you know, Bible stories and sermons and... This or that, but you you never create a sense of expectation or or, or growth. Really, what what am I becoming together? What are we becoming together as followers of Jesus? So that would just be a simple, um, you know, I- illustration of of codifying an outcome of a disciple and having a simple way to measure it.
1: And I'm right there with you because I it's it seems unfortunately rare the the church or the church leaders or I'll just say Christians that have a pretty clear articulated. Vision for like, what is it? Where who are we? Our identity and what are we trying to be and do together and reproduce? And, and could, I would hope they'd fill in the life. Well, the life of Christ as sure. God's eternal plan is to fill the world with His glory, and it just doesn't come up. And discipleship, I know, is it's like it's kind of like the new buzzword, and yet I still think we're stuck in a bit of a, you know, it's somewhat siloed into events, and it's really more about Christian education. Of worldview than the making of disciples, and there again that word, and I think it's kind of what you're saying there, Will, is making disciples. Go and make disciples. Go make. Uh, that implies process. That implies some codification of what is going on, what is being done.
2: It's it's a nice way to start the conversation of are you are you doing organized disciple making, or are you doing this, you know, Christian programming approach? And it's it's not like Christian programming is bad in and of itself. It's just it may not actually be the church at the end of the day, when you add everything up, it may be better to be a 501 C three and just call yourself a Christian education ministry. Um, <laughs> Cause you know, you can do a lot of stuff in the name of church and not be actually, you know, growing disciples in an organized way to maybe highlight how prevalent that is. And several weeks ago I was, uh, I was in uh, Atlanta in the morning and I was in Dallas in the afternoon and I, i was literally talking to two people who were kind of driving me to the airport in both cases and i was with a a gentleman in his 60s he is a presbyterian senior pastor and he said to me "Well, i'm tired of being a rotary club with a choir mm. and he, he, to feel the discontent coming from his generation and from his faith tribe articulated that way was significant uh, a young guy uh, 36 years old you know baptist pastor. Just new pastor, six months in a new, relatively again one of we consider one of our effective churches out there, and he's just driving in the car, and I'm asking him, what are, you know, what are you attending to these days? It's your first, you know, you're in your first 90 days. He said, well, I'm just, I'm just trying to get the get my leaders to understand this is not about having, you know, hooks throwing hooks out there in the community and having a show on Sunday.
0: Hmm.
2: You know, it, and it's, it was just such a different way of saying the same thing, and it's this holy discontent.
1: Around this pres- Christian programming paradigm, uh, it's it's thick. That's just you just see it everywhere. It's thick. Can you can you help me and our listeners? Will if, if you if you got some wisdom here, I got to throw something on you. That's it's an anathema that uh, we drag out so often, but it it really is, is. And I think it might be some of what's at the core of our issue and our problem is as the church, and I count myself as as that. Obviously, so it's it's. I mean, there is no point in fingers here other than back at myself. So I think so often we think that the mission was to get people saved make converts versus versus make disciples and it feels like until that flips for a person for a leader for a pastor for a church staff for the church capital c we're we're a bit stuck because we're we're still going to keep chasing and maybe tweaking stuff in the wrong direction it's the whole thing of like you know which wall is your ladder leaning on you know help us how can you help us out with that or do you even agree with that like we we've, we've got to get to <laughs> what is the like, what's the win, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. It's well, I and I, I do agree with that. I think you know, I think in different faith tribes, there's a different um, uh, focus on the the moment of conversion. So you can see different, you know, different leaders have to different degrees have that have that preoccupation with, you know, getting across the line of faith or getting that salvation rather than the the, the growth. But I I think, you know, what what I've come to believe, and it's you know, when my own holy discontent roars up sometimes, you know, you can, I don't want to come across, you know, mean to, to the, the men and women who I've called to serve. And so I've got to dial back. And so when I, when I go back and try to empathize a little bit and go, okay, what, how have we gotten into this predicament, which I try to look and, and see, okay, how have we begun to do sometimes the, you know, the, the wrong things, but for the right reason. So it's how, how do these things happen over time? And so I'll share a few thoughts along those lines you know, one, one of them, one big idea to kind of walk through when we talk about this functional Great Commission, or you know, this idea that we chase convert, you know, con- conversions or decisions, not disciples. Uh, it was. It's been said that we we miss our goal not because of obstacles, but because of a clearer path to a lesser goal. Mm. So I th- hmm. I think it's helpful to understand that you know, um, it, w- clarity is so attractive. That once, once I'm on a path, and once I begin to see some way that I can begin just to work within, you know, if if you know, we can call it maybe a paradigm of stuckness, but it, it just it feels like what works. It's a clearer path to a lesser goal. So, you know, Christian programming is a lesser goal. I mean, you really can win at Christian programming. You can you can build some great buildings, have some great events that people come to you can really celebrate the name of jesus and mm. teach great stuff out of his word i mean there's a lot of great stuff you can do there and so i think it's you know we just want to acknowledge sometimes we just you know we we have a lesser goal we would say you know you've heard it said where there is no vision the, the people perish and now i say to you where there is no vision the people cherish something they they grab onto something there is some lesser goal that people i mean. People want to be effective. People want to be good, and and we're going to measure something. We're going to get something done, and so it literally, I believe, we 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 just begin to, you know, hunt down the you know the the not the bad thing, but the less than ideal thing. It's well, I
1: think what we start to cherish is the p- path of least resistance. There you go.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it certainly helps when we're celebrate when there's you can find plenty of people to celebrate with you. Those you know lesser goals. I.e., we're, you know, sometime this year you'll see a top, you know, hundred fastest growing or largest church. You're probably not going to see anytime soon the top hundred most prayerful congregations or the top hundred most
1: (laughs) sending congregations, right? We just, we're not going to see that. Well, like, let's work together to come up with how do we measure disciples being made who now know how to make disciples, right? And that probably goes back to, you said something a little bit earlier, like, do we even have a clear definition of what a disciple is for, for our own organizations, our own family, our own church, whatever, you know, whatever, because if we don't, then how do we know if we're replicating that? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, it's
2: so fundamental to what we learn in third grade, you know, Mrs. Huskins English teacher, you know, class, I I literally, you got to put the story in your own words to show that you understand it, that you have comprehension. And so, you know, you've heard me say Caesar before, you know, words create worlds, what are we saying? Yeah. How are we talking? and your your language is going to reveal what's most important to you and if we don't have a language around what a disciple is we're 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 probably actually not day by day, week after week meaningfully moving toward disciple making
1: agreed well, so we've kind of started this talk out today. Our, our talk today with uh, talking about real church growth, and that's what kind of caught my eye when <laughs> I got an email from you last week. But uh, uh, w- let's let's kind of start to wrap up with let's put that back on the back end too. So real church growth equals what then, Will? If it's not the what we've kind of been looking at for the last two or three decades.
2: And I would suggest that standing at this point, as we get you know you know we're a year out from from. 2020 in terms of our calendar year and I think we can be looking at the next 20 years of church life through this lens I think it's going to be a helpful lens. I would say there are three kinds of churches. So let me let me uh, approach that question uh, with this I think there are gonna there, there are men and women who have given up on organized church and they're doing Beautiful things. It's just not as organized of, of a look and feel that is, it would be the unorganized disciple-making or the organic disciple-making. That would be a house church. That would be a simple church or maybe some missional community models that, you know, there's not the there's not the uh, features of, you know, church building. There's not budgets. There's not staff, those kinds of things. And that's beautiful. And I think that can and should happen and can and should grow. And I would celebrate any of that, what I'll call, quote, unorganized disciple-making. Not sliding it, just saying it doesn't have the features of the American, the traditional features of an American church. Then you're going to have the second kind of churches, the churches that don't get through this paradigm, and they're truly not making disciples, they're faking disciples, which was the point of that email. Real church growth is when you're actually making disciples. So what's going to happen is there's going to continue to be churches that um, they may say the word disciple, but they're really doing Christian programming, and it really is operating off a functional great commission that's different than what Jesus offered. I think the middle way, I think what we're going to see the most wrestling through, and I think it's the, the... you know, the the beautiful kind of middle way here of what most churches are going to be doing in the next 20 years is trying to figure out this organized disciple making. They're not going to throw out their church buildings, stop their church budgets, stop their elders and deacons meeting, whatever that looks like, but we're just going to fight the good fight, and we're going to to continue to repurpose and refound all the organizational stuff of church around the mission of Jesus, and we're just going to be, you know, working to keep the main thing the main thing, I think, and very, again, you know, messy, but glorious ways. So uh, real church growth is that commitment. And one way to make it to polarize the conversation is to say, you know, real church growth for the church in the next 20 years is going to be defined by people coming into the community relationally through, you know, one-on-one evangelism and discipleship way more than it has happened in the last, you know, 20, 40, 60 years through just, you know, coming in through organized, you know, organized Christian programming. So we just want to, which is just one way to think about all the ways we need to continue to shift this paradigm of organized disciple making. We've got to readjust our expectations. We've got to be able to, you know, figure out how to do the both end of uh, of of doing great worship services, of, of, you know, funding the buildings that we've been, we, we've we made, uh, you know, to, to glorify God and accomplish what he's accomplished to do. But we're, it just real church growth is, using everything at your disposal in the organized church and pointing it back to doing organized disciple making again and, and readjusting everything in your team's life and your emotional life to, to be excited about that opportunity, really.
1: And, if, and if, if real church growth is what we're all after, and I think that would be a baseline for, I don't think anybody's looking for church decline, so uh, then the church is people. And so there's a huge indicator there, right? Little, hey, little flag, like real church growth would be developing people, making disciples, developing them, helping people reach their potential for all that God had for them. And he does, right? We, I mean, the mind-blowing thing is before before the whole story started, our father knew the, the good works he had intended for all of us to do. And we get to. <laughs> we still exactly. get to. And so, I mean, I love the simplicity, but I love the profundity of real church growth, church is people. Well, organized disciple-making has, has to become our greater and greater focus and not just an add-on. So, so. One, of the,
2: one of the ways I love to capture that idea of what you're highlighting right here is that we just say it. Uh, programs don't attract people. People attract people. Programs don't grow people. People grow people. Let's just go back to those basics
0: and, and highlight, highlight that elemental truth. I love that Will. I mean, as we're closing up, just you know, I'm I'm a bit younger than than Caesar and, and yourself and and having that feel of having been through when I first started to ministry, it was in the midst of the purpose driven everything. Uh, and it got super attractional and, and it just started to feel really gimmicky. And I love what you're you're saying. It's like these programs don't really attract people. And it feels phony after year and year of stepping up and repunting the ball trying to trying to believe that these programs will attract people it's never going to be the program that does it or it might initially but if it if there's not people investment it's not going to people last long term at all jesus
1: yeah. is a person the holy spirit's a person yeah, yeah exactly yeah so yeah will as we as we wrap this up tell 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 us and our listeners here a little bit about unique because unique is unique yeah yeah absolutely well the We've, we've started an organization formerly Life Unique.
2: We, we're, the nickname is Unique with a Y-O-U. So playing off of, hey, you know, you're a one-of-a-kind disciple, disciple saint. And I, you know, reflecting on this idea of doing organized disciple-making, what we, what we believe that one of the greatest challenges that the church is trying to bring value through being a teaching center, and we believe Jesus made it to be a training center. So as I've worked with churches organizationally, I realize we need we need tools and pathways to work our way back to becoming a training center again. What does it look like to be living? And again, I know that's the heartbeat of you know, life school. The, so as we as we as we've done that, a, a group of people have come together to, to take the the life work of creating breakthrough at an organizational level and apply that to creating breakthrough at an individual personal level. So we call it gospel centered life design because there's an ocean of intentionality, you know, intentionality writing and books and products and events. And we're saying, Hey, what does ultimate intentionality look like through the lens of Jesus and the good news? And, uh, if the, if the gospel's at the center of your life, what does it mean to design an intentional life, to have a life plan? What does it mean to understand your vocational calling and to get, you know, the maximum punch out of that in your lifetime? So, uh, that, Life Unique process takes people through a very robust journey. It's a training, it's a coached experience, and our heartbeat at Unique is to see that deliver through the local church. So we're trying to create a best practice toolbox and then certify individual church leaders, lay leaders, so they can deliver great life planning, life design uh, tools and processes at the front line of ministry. In a way, what we were anticipating the continued trend that your most committed people are attending church less and less. That's a simple value proposition that's continuing to be downgraded in the local church and our culture. And we think great training will, uh, will uh, add value and we want the church to grow again in culture, so to speak through, uh, through great offerings like this. So this in a way it's our program that has nothing to do with being a program. It's a multipliable training coach process that any church can bring to its people Uh, ultimately what we're looking for is that people know their life call that is their special assignment from god i think everyone has one i think it can be known and it can be named and it can be unleashed in a powerful way in someone's life so that's what we want to unleash through the church
1: All right. Well, we're going to put in the show notes how people can get a hold of you and and check out unique at a little bit of a deeper level. And I know you guys offer webinars from time to time. And also we're going to put all that information in the show notes. Hey, Will, thanks so much for the time today. I'd like to keep going. Maybe we're going to get you back on. Like, you know, like we we were talking maybe offline before we got started. You're, You're a tough guy to kneel down. I mean, you are the busiest man in church rock and roll but i we're gonna get you back on because this is just there's too much good stuff here to fit into an episode but thanks so much man it's great having you it's great talking to you love being with you appreciate uh the time
0: to connect and look forward to next time i love the pastoral side of it you know you get some guys that are such visionaries but he actually has been in the trenches he's the got pastoral prophet he is he's, know, like he's like this- calling us back Right. right. Probably never got in a fist fight. Like, this is a cool dude. <laughs>
1: no, he's like going to write in and
0: go, like, I totally have gotten in fist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so lots to pull from this episode, Caesar. but let's get to the big three, which is the big three takeaways that we want people leaving with right now. And you get those for free yep. by going to 123lifeschool.com forward slash episode 192.
1: Caesar, what would you say the big three are for this week? Wow, so much to pull out. I had to really think about this, but uh, buckle up. Here they are, okay? All right. The first of the big three is, like, if, if nothing, don't miss this. In the next 20 years, we'll most commonly see three types of Christian church experiences. Okay. And this is how Will broke them out. He said that those types of people, Christians in churches, that have given up on organized church, and they're content with experiencing organic disciple-making Okay. And, and those those folks uh, might be part of a house church or a simple church model. So there will also be those that will continue to be part of organized churches with leaders that are not actually making disciples, they're faking disciples. Mm. They're getting people into the Sunday service is their priority, and they may use the word disciple, but they're really doing Christian programming, and they operate off a of functional great commission. It's not oh. what Jesus offered and modeled. And then he said there's a third Uh, middle way that most churches and more and more churches are starting to go after and that's organized disciple making they're not throwing out the church services and buildings but they've truly prioritized organized and intentional disciple making and they take the great commission from jesus seriously that's job one for them so the question there is on this first of the big three is which will you participate in
0: only Wordly. one sounds good to me, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Number- I
1: think there's going to be a lot, yeah, in that other one there where we're like kind of fake it, you know, yeah. because we got the, this is what we've always done. Anyway, yep. second to dig three, words create worlds. Your language will reveal what's most important to you mm-hmm. as a person, as a leader, and as a church. And if we don't have language around and a standard for what we believe discipleship is, we're probably not day by day, week by week, meaningfully moving toward disciple making. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's got to be word. defined. Like, what exactly are we building? What yeah. are we making?
0: Language creates culture, right? Yeah, exactly.
1: So third is, uh, the third of the big three is, the church is and has always been people. <laughs> Surprise, right? Yeah. So if the church is people, then real church growth is using everything at your disposal in the church and repurposing and pointing it back to organized disciple making. Programs don't attract people. People attract people. And real church growth is about growing and maturing people. disciples that make more disciples. And that's something that's worth giving our lives and our hopes and dreams to. It is. It is, man. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that, the things that Will gave us today and talked to us and reminded us of and cautioned us on. Man, it's really stirred me up. (laughs) I'm excited about uh, next week too, man.
0: Hey, uh, if you haven't gotten that yet, again, you get them for free. All you have to do is go to 123lifeschool.com forward slash episode 192, and we're going to give this
1: to you right away. Download the big three, so it's super concise. You know, that's a lot to take notes on this week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you can also join our Facebook group if you haven't yet. Again, it's a growing community on Facebook. Go up to the search bar, type in Life School Podcast. We'll get you approved right away. Kaboom. And if you haven't left us a review yet on iTunes, super helpful. Five stars. Say something nice and we'll quote it on the air. How's that? Yeah. And if you don't want to leave five stars, don't, right? Yeah. But but please do. (laughs) And we'll know who you are. (laughs) Hey, join us next week when we talk about 12 small ways
1: you can bless your city. Out of a million ways yeah. we're gonna we're gonna whittle it down and give you some real tangible cool stuff yeah. and then a million other ways we'll, we'll put your foot to the things that everyone can path do. yeah yep.
0: I love it be here with us for that and we'd like to thank you for joining us today you can always get more information on this podcast by visiting 123lifeschool.com forward slash podcast